Good morning. As some of you know, I'm excited uh, to have our visitor here, uh, a visiting lecturer here to give an academic series um, today and tomorrow. Let me offer a brief introduction of Dr. J. Cameron Carter. Dr. Carter is an associate professor of theological studies and black church studies at Duke Divinity School. In many ways, part of the reason why we extended an invitation to Dr. Carter um, uh, several years ago, and now it's a delight to see it come to fruition, is in 2008, he published a book with Oxford University Press called Race, a Theological Account. It has been widely praised for its daring willingness not merely to offer a pretty strong deconstructive analysis, but also to offer some constructive paths forward. It's a fascinating study in which he explores early church fathers along with contemporary poets and literature and Immanuel Kant among others in this wonderful tension of trying to think how in many ways when the church compromised and cut off the Jewishness of Jesus, how it opened up all kinds of other problems and how in many ways race as a category came to affect and influence Western Christianity in general and our Christology in particular in some potentially deeply problematic ways. His work explores the intersection not merely of theology and philosophy but cultural studies and literature. And my guess is you will see this, he provokes and he prods. He helps us think hard thoughts, but he does so most often with a smile on his face and there's something irresistible, at least that seems to be what I see. During his time here at Covenant, Dr. Carter will be speaking today in chapel and yes, tomorrow in chapel. Listen, you wanna be here tomorrow. It won't be like a normal chapel. Tomorrow's chapel, he will be talking on Quentin Tarantino's filmology, filmography, in some theological and cultural ways that I think will be worth you coming to. Today, he will also be speaking on the second, story, uh, second floor of the, chap of the library. He'll be speaking on Bonhoeffer and our post-racial blues. Please join me in welcoming Jay Cameron Carter. Good morning to each and every one of you. I'm very glad to be here. Um, wow, this is a big chapel. Woo, Lord help me. Amen. Listen, would you join me in a word of prayer? Our eternal God, thank you for this day. A day that you have given us to be in fellowship with one another, to be in this place of learning. May you be in our midst. May your spirit be among us, revealing to us the presence of Jesus Christ, the one who binds us and knits us together. We pray this now in Christ our Lord's name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you for being here. 
And um, let me just give just a very uh, quick word of appreciation to um, Professor Kelly Kapik, if I got your name right, thank you, and to, um, for inviting me two, two years ago. And boy, how the time just moves quick. It's like before I knew it, it was here. <laughs> it was here. So thank you for thinking of me and um, for um, making use and finding some use of my work. So I really appreciate that. Thank you again. And again to um, Ms. Christiana Fitzpatrick. And um, she's, she's absolutely wonderful. Got to know her last summer and then in, um, on s social media, um, you know, get to uh, uh, see her tweets and posts and so on and so forth. So I'm very grateful to you as well. And thank you for uh, um, the ways in which you facilitated my uh, time here. Okay, well listen, um, I want to, this, this is a sermon, so um, I, I want to go ahead and, how much time I got? I got to be careful about the time. Two and a half hours? No, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> 11.30? Okay, so now y'all know I only got 25 minutes and, you know, um, 11.30, I'm, I'm, I'm from, okay, I'm, I'm from the Black Baptist preaching tradition, so. I mean, it takes me about 20 minutes just to get my intros, right? <laughs> Let me read the passage of scripture and then we'll, we'll try and see if there's, if there's a word from the Lord from us. Uh, Lamentations, the book of Lamentations after the prophetic book of Jeremiah chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 17. I want to read Jer uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 17 through 24. Um, they read like this. I have been deprived of peace, the writer says. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say... My splendor is gone in all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. If I was in my church, I would tell you to lean over and just nudge your neighbor and say, I have hope. Ah, go out to you. Nudge your neighbor and say, I have hope. I have hope. Yeah. I'm going to try and work that. I'm going to try and work that. Because I have hope. Why? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for the Lord. I want to take a few minutes and talk about medicine for the blues medicine for the blues, medication for the blues, maybe if you like a prescription for the blues. You have not heard America's true soul music until you have heard my brothers and sisters the blues. Play all of the Bach, all of the Brahms, play Rachmaninoff, doesn't bother me because it's the blues that gives you access to America's soul. The blues is soul music 
the rhythm and the lyrics of the blues, of blues music. They emanate, they come from, they wellow up from the very pit of the singers of soul. And since the blues emanate from the soul, I've got news for you this morning. You have got to have some soul to listen to the blues. The blues, this music called the blues, was not crafted in symphony pits. It was not constructed on orchestral stages. The blues was conceived on the dusty back roads of Mississippi. They were born in the cypress swamps of bayous across Louisiana as black folks tried to deal with, tried to negotiate, tried to navigate their post-slave slavery condition, their so-called freedom, I put that in quotation marks, during emancipation and reconstruction. Listen to me, y'all, everybody should hear some good old blues music at least once, okay, push it twice, <laughs> before she dies. I don't mean Mary J. Blige blues. I don't mean, as much as I like, I was running to her this morning, I don't mean Lauren Hill blues. I don't mean Leela James blues. I don't mean R&B blues, in other words. I mean some real blues, some East St. Louis blues. I'm talking about the blues. I mean some Beale Street B.B. King's Blues Club in Memphis, Tennessee blues. The blues, my brothers and sisters. I mean some smoky lounge dudes playing checkers, throwing down, slamming dominoes in the back corner on the table blues. I'm talking about the blues. Have you ever heard the blues? Ma Rainey, Muddy Waters, B.B. King, Buddy Guy. Have you ever heard the blues? The theorist Angela Davis talks about them in her landmark book on black women and the blues. She talks about Bessie Smith and Coco Waters and you cannot forget the inimitable lady blues, Billy Holiday's lady sings the blues with that strong song, Strange Fruit. When you listen to the blues, you've got to turn down the lights. Now, I know this is a Christian college, but I'm going to break this down for a second. <laughs> you've got to turn down the lights. Blues is music for dusk not dawn. It's music for pain, not triumph. It's music for hurt, not victory. It's music in your trials, your tribulations, not in the triumphant victory. The blues, my brothers and sisters, is not music for cathedrals. It's music in the basement of life. But we've got to understand that the blues Ain't just, can I say ain't? The blues ain't just music. It's a visceral and existential commentary on life itself. Some great American writers have tried to capture and try to celebrate the blues heritage. Listen 
to the great, the inimitable, Ralph Ellison, author of that landmark novel, The Invisible Man, as he rhapsodizes about the blues. Listen to Ellison. The blues is an impulse, he says, to keep the painful episodes of a brutal existence alive in one's aching consciousness to finger its jagged edges, its jagged grain. The blues is an autobiographical chronicle of personal catastrophe expressed lyrically. Ellison, Ralph Ellison went on to express that the blues is an intellectual energy expressed physically. In other words, the blues, even R&B blues, but the blues makes us snap our fingers and tap your feet, maybe even shake your head and grunt. Mm, mm, mm. The blues will have you laughing one minute and crying the next. Have you ever heard the blues? Well, let me ask you another question because y'all looking at me a little funny. Let me get a little personal for a second here. Let me ask you a different question. Have you ever had the blues. When you hear the blues, do you shake your head and grunt because the lyrics are naming with such accuracy your current situation? It's one thing to hear the blues, but it's quite another to have the blues. None of us will leave this earth without writing a blues song at least once. In fact, some of you have written some blues lyrics yourself. And I know, I know the college students, you know what I'm talking about. Has your money ever been funny? And your change been a little bit strange? As you have impatiently waited for some financial blessing, that's called financial aid, to kick in. <laughs> Has the dreaded death angel invaded your life, creating an agonizing absence? Is that lifelong relationship your boo? Y'all didn't catch that, y'all gotta come on now. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> that boo you've been searching for and questing after, has he, has she still escaped you? Or maybe you're in a lifelong relationship. Oh, you don't have a lifelong relationship. Maybe you're in a college-long relationship. <laughs> that you wish you could escape. If that
that's the case, then you probably know more about the blues than you sitting here letting on. There may be a smile on your face, but there's a blues number playing in the smoky back room of your heart. What's your blues song today? See, black folks created the blues, but as a philosophical impulse, the blues have been around for a very, very, very long time. For example, the Book of Lamentations is nothing but an ancient blues song and gig. In fact, I want to suggest to us today that the brother who wrote the Lamentations, who wrote Lamentations, was doing nothing less than singing the blues. In the first three chapters of Lamentations, there's nothing but gloom, doom, misery, and grief, pain, and agony. What is the, the writer lamenting and crying over? He is lamenting the Babylonian destruction of the holy city, Jerusalem. You see, in 586 BCE, Lamentations is nothing less than the poetic voice, the poetry of exile. It's blues music coming to grips with the implications of a tragedy. The great and the magnanimous and the glorious gold-plated holy temple in Jerusalem has been destroyed. Moreover, my brothers and my sisters, the Babylonians have been exiled. Many Jews, folk like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, many Jews had been taken and exported, expropriated to Babylon. And you might have heard, I don't know, but you might have heard that it's hard to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Lamentations is the blues. I mentioned the great African-American writer Ralph Ellison, the author of The Invisible Man, earlier, but I want to summon him, conjure him, call him back up to the stage of witness and testimony one more time. Listen, listen to Ralph Ellison. The blues, again, is an impulse not to discard not to repress, but to surface, to bring to the top, to keep the aching details of a brutal existence alive, not suppressed, alive in one's consciousness. To finger, run your fingers across the jagged edge, the splintered grain. In other words, you sing the blues because you ain't ready to let the pain go yet. You see, part of our problem, this is a freebie, it's not in the script. Part of our problem is that we don't know how to touch the pain. So we suppress and repress it and then it comes back to haunt us in wicked ways. 
You sing the blues because you are not ready to let the experience go yet. In the book of Lamentations, the writer runs his holy finger over the jagged edges of his experience being a member and a partaker of the kingdom of God and of the blessings of ancient Israel. The contours of that experience used to be smooth. They used to be easy flowing. But exile, pain, grief, difficulty has shattered his experience. His life. His mind is filled, has been filled with challenges before him, filled with suffering, not unlike the situation recently experienced in our country in Newtown, Connecticut, a place that used to be smooth, placid, like a beautiful, picturesque, and untouched lake nestled between snow-capped mountains, but that has now become jagged, splintered because of the bullets of death from a deranged gunman. So too, our writer finds himself in a jagged moment of pain, grief, agony, and the loss of blessings. Let me put it this way. Not unlike the child who has scraped her, his knee, the writer touches the wound, touches the sore, knowing full well that it will hurt. Have you touched the wound and the scar that has encrusted over the facade you've erected to say to everybody around you, all is well, when we know with just a flicker of that scab, the pain is near the surface. This is a barren time and a broken time. The blues singer of lamentation for this singer, for this writer, hope has gone AWOL, absent without leave. This brother is broken and barren. All hope is gone. Don't take it from me. Y'all think I'm making this up. Listen to some of his blues lyrics in Lamentations. Verse 6 says, He has set me in a dark place like the dead of long ago. And then here's another lyric, another part of the song. Verse 7 he has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. And then verse 8 says this, even when I cry and shout, he shuts out, shuts down my prayer. Skipping down to verse 17, the lyric continues, you have moved my soul from peace. I have forgotten what happiness even means. And what is the writer's conclusion? Listen to verse 18. I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. 
when the pain of life has brought about a forgetfulness of what happiness is, trust me, my brothers and sisters, that is the blues. When the pain of life, the difficulties in life, the tragedies of life, when this happens to us, a crucial question confronts us. Here is the question. Is the blues terminal? Is the blues a terminal condition? Is there a prescription for the blues? Is there a therapy for the blues? Has there been any R&D, any research and development been carried out on the blues so that a medicine can be developed to cure the blues? Now I'm just going to say right now, if I was in my church, my, my, all my congregation would be like, come on, reverend. So I'm going to act like I'm in my church for a second. Oh, let me just say this. Don't tell nobody at Duke what's getting ready to happen. <laughs> One old-time blues artist raised the question this way. Is there any prescription for the mean old blues? All day long, I'm worried. All day long, she writes, I am blue. I'm so awfully lonesome, so awfully lonesome, I don't know what to do. Then she continues, so I ask you, doctor, see if you can find something off in your satchel to pacify my mind. Doctor, oh, doctor. Y'all not going to help me today. I'm going to have to just preach by myself. Doctor, oh doctor, write me a prescription for the blues. The mean, mean, mean old blues. Like this modern, thank you my brother. <laughs> like this modern blues woman, the ancient writer of the book of Lamentation was stricken handicapped, handcuffed, and shackled by the blues. Until, my brothers and sisters, until, until he received a prescription for his healing. You see, in verse 21, hope returns from exile, from its extended leave, its multi-year leave of absence, out of nowhere. The writer, the Lamentations Blues writer, declares in verse 21, I have hope. Listen, don't minimize those three words. I have hope. There is a drastic change in the tone of the text. Out of nowhere, the mood of the text switches gears on us. The attitude of the text alters 
I want to suggest to you, my brothers and sisters, this morning that in the empty and invisible spaces, the white lines between verse 21 and 22, 20 and 21, the blues lamentation writer gets some medication for everything that had befallen him. He gets a prescription for the blues. An intervention of some sort has occurred. For he goes from singing the blues in one verse, are you with me, verse 20, to expressing hope in another, verse 21. And I don't know about you, my brothers and sisters, but whatever prescription he received, as I go to prepare to sit down in a second, I want to get some of that. The prescription, the medicine, the therapy is in verse 22. Here is the medicine as I get ready to take my seat. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, not mercy in the singular, his mercies never come to an end. Gotta, gotta hold it back a little bit. <laughs> they never come to an end. The biblical blues man recognizes and realizes and remembers something that we must never forget. As you go through your college experience, never forget this. As you graduate and go into life, my brothers and sisters, never forget this. He was so wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in his problems that he forgot all about the problem solver. Can I get an amen? amen. If I can just turn my mind, the writer suggests, if I can just alter my attitude, the writer suggests. If I can just turn around, the writer suggests. To the steadfast love of the Lord. Even in the midst of my affliction, I can then find the strength to make it one more day. You see, the phrase in verse 22, steadfast love, this is a potent word in the Hebrew. It is a, a, a translation uh, uh, of the Hebrew word hesed. Reflecting on the Lord's hesed can provide us with an antidote for what your, whatever your blues problem might be. What is hesed? I'm glad that you asked. Hesed, Hesed is God's unfailing kindness to God's children. Hesed is God's loving us when we are off time so unlovable. Hesed is, y'all not going to help me, is putting up, God's putting up with us. When God, when God, when God can put us out. Yes, it is. 
God's loyalty to God's promises. Have I got a witness in here today? Yes, it means God, what God says God will do. Yes, it means God will keep God's word when you think nobody else has got your back. Yes, it means that God calls you to a task. That if God calls you to a task, God will equip you to do the task. Yes, it means if you keep your mind stayed on God, God will keep you from losing your mind up in here, up in here. Yes, it means, yes, it means, in spite of yourself, God will see you through. Yes, it is a prescription for the blues. Yes, it is better than Pepto-Bismol. Yes, it is better than Advil. Y'all not going to help me. Yes, it is better than Tylenol. Yes, it is God's prescription for the blues. God bless you. Have a great day.